Andrew. And this is the podcast where we go into something from our childhood or high school and see how it holds up today after we listen to it. Do we like it the same? Is it not as good? This is where we find out. And today we're going to cover the first hip-hop album that we've covered on the show. But before we go into that, what have you been up to this week? Oh, man. So I've gotten into community, which is fun. I've had a lot of free time. Nice. And I've tried a few times before to start watching that. And once you mentioned it, I don't know, I felt like I definitely needed something that was a little more fun. And it's interesting, too, because that <laughs> came out around the same time as the album, I guess we're talking about. It, and it's like some of those old jokes are just kind of funny to like listen to in a modern <laughs> frame of mind. But Yeah, I did notice some of the jokes were more dated, like that wouldn't be in writing uh, nowadays. Oh, so yeah. it's kind of interesting to go back and hear those. I think one of them was like, oh, my cable broke. And I was thinking like, um, <laughs> as a college student, <laughs> I don't think that's it would be Internet or Netflix now. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, definitely like uh, Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino's acting is really good in it. Yeah. Uh, as well as a lot of the other actors are pretty pretty decent as well. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, this is this is like minor spoilers for you, but also not spoilers. But it like breaks away from a lot of the other sitcom tropes in that it doesn't do go through the same motions every single time. They try mm-hmm. and introduce a lot of like different concepts into it. There's still some there's still some like tropiness through there, but uh they shake it up a lot, which I think you might like. Yeah, I've heard like it one season is like pretty awful but artistic, so I'm interested. Yeah, there there definitely is one of those. They changed up uh, the writing the writers for it, uh, so that that impacted it pretty drastically. But it's uh oh, I just finished it uh, like a week ago, and I would say overall it's pretty good. I've also like been really getting into Frank Ocean this week nice. and like listening to his albums for the first time ever. And that's been just so awesome. I just think he's like a super unique and artistic and I don't know, he just approaches music in a, from a way different, um, you know, way differently than most artists, especially of his like popularity. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really like his albums, Channel Orange and Ocean, or mm-hmm. not Ocean, Blonde a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I really got into Channel Orange and I especially love like Pyramid, Super, like I... I just love how unique those songs are. They're not just like formulaic pop songs. They mm-hmm. have, they have like a story and like very dynamic elements to it. And then I on for the first time yesterday, and I just felt it just didn't like click with me. It was very abstract, and I appreciated the art from it. It almost reminded me of Redbone, and that like I appreciated it, but I didn't like totally like. It felt like I was looking at fine art at a museum, and I was like, <laughs> that's really good, but I don't know what it means. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. That's one of the things that uh, that I appreciate about him is that he can make something like that. But I also acknowledge it can be at the expense of accessibility. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it can throw you off a little bit. Hold that thought <laughs> for later in the episode. Okay. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, listening to some music as well. Uh, last week, the new One Hundred Gex like companion piece it's a remix album but and normally when i listen to a remix album i kind of just like i'll listen to all the remixes i'll pick like you know the one or two that i like and those are the only ones i'll ever go back to again and i kind of dump the rest this one was kind of unique in that it, it almost expands upon what they did originally and it's still it's still a bunch of remixes uh but uh they're all really wacky and zany and there's a couple new originals on it as well so it's almost like it's almost like a B-side album, so that's that's pretty cool. And uh, what else? What else has been good this week? Ooh, you showed you showed us that uh, Tyne and Flip of uh, "Lick It" by Cascade and Skrillex, yeah. which we talked about recently. That was yeah. And I, I replied to him. He posted on Reddit Tyne and himself, and I was like, "Oh, are you gonna remix the Ice version of it?" And he was like, "Oh shoot, I forgot about that." So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that one's really good. Uh, Father John Misty put out a new EP today that I got to listen to. And uh, that was decent. That was decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The Kid Cudi and Eminem song was kind of cool last week, too. I, don't know if you I haven't gotten to listen to that yet, but I need to. That's a pretty interesting uh, combination mm-hmm. of two artists there. Yeah. Yeah, I've been needing to do that. You actually saw Kid Cudi one time, didn't you? Yeah. He was really good. Oh. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, 
Kid Cudi's in the in the genre of what we are talking about today. We're adjacent to that. But uh, real quick, we normally do a happy hour, but is it is it a slightly less happy hour for you this week? Yeah, I'm um, I'm going with Kendrick. I'm I'm a so- sober soul today, and I've got <laughs> some iced tea. I I'm uh, I'm Kendrick when he's rolling around with the homies with the crew when he's younger. <laughs> But because you didn't do an alcoholic beverage, I went for a slightly less interesting alcoholic beverage, and I just have a have a white claw right here. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know it's anticlimactic because, um, like, yesterday I called you when I was in the store to help me pick out some beer. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm just I'm hot. I just went on a walk, and I just I don't know. I was craving it. I made it myself though. It's like hibiscus mango. And Sounds I'm delicious. Really wow. Well, well, we'll we'll get to sample some of those other things that you got in a future episode. But uh, I guess we're going to go to the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about, and that's this album. This album from 2012. Yeah. So uh, so, so, what do you think of this? How did you, how'd you ever wind up listening to this? Yeah, this is... So typically this show is things we grew up with and how they hold up today. This is kind of an exception. It half fits that bill because, yes, I've heard a lot of these songs growing up, and it came out almost a decade ago in 2012. But honestly, the way I came into loving and appreciating hip-hop, and honestly, Kendrick is probably in my top five favorite artists. He's definitely my favorite rapper. Mm-hmm. I saw him live um, on his damn tour, and yeah. it was in a big arena. I was in like the really, really highest, worst seats, but I mm-hmm. still love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, his just performance and his um, just connection to the fans, even in a stadium like that, is amazing. And that's obviously way, like, this album is really his origin story in a lot of ways. Um, But before all that, in high school, I remember specifically my first time, like, witnessing real hip-hop was at the Mad Decent Block Party in 2013 with, like, Flossdradamus and Lunas and Riff Raff. Yeah. And I actually remember, like, Floss played a I think they played a Swimming Pools edit and a edit i don't know if you remember those yeah but. so so swimming pools they probably did because that was in their band two mix mm. yeah oh man back in the days when you could just throw up a mix on soundcloud and not have it taken down yeah um but like i guess it's it's interesting because i kind of approached hip-hop from this like edm lens of trap edm kind of flustradamus arl grime um all those guys mm-hmm. and it's really interesting that they kind of, like, took something that was so underground and made it, you know, clubby and, like, festival. Like, festival trap is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for somebody like me, I really, in high school, hated hip-hop. I, I really didn't like anything that was explicit, partly because I wasn't, you know, like, in middle school, I wasn't allowed to listen to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, even the songs, like, from Good Kid, Mad City that, you know, Flosterdamas, Zed's Dad, Skrillex, all these DJs would play, they would play... The, the songs that I just interpreted them as like, oh, just drink, 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 and like violence, 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 which you can kind of hear that in some of these songs, but the, the point is it's like conscious hip-hop, quote-unquote, which I actually really like that term, even though it can be overused. But it's yeah. interesting that like growing up, I only saw that side of Kendrick, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. I remember when, so like this album came out in 2012 and at the time I wasn't like aware of anything Kendrick had done before. You know, he was like still on the rise at that point. He was like performing his K-Dot before and uh, and uh, then he put out Section 80 and this was like, I mean, Mad City was kind of like his big debut. And I remember at the time, like all my friends were, you know, were introducing me to like all kinds of hip hop. Like we were listening to, we're listening to Mac Miller and Tyler the Creator and Childish Gambino and Childish Gambino is a little is a little bit more on the uh, on the little more intelligent side of all those, but mm-hmm. uh, but I was like, oh, but check out this like Kendrick Lamar guy, which like I remember my first memories were only listening to like like swimming pools and backseat freestyle and on mm-hmm. the uh, with ASAP Rocky on fucking problems and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at the time, kind of like you, yeah, I only saw the surface-level message, but then I started to, like, dig deeper. I'm like, whoa, this is, like... Uh, but I was wondering why none of my other friends were into Kendrick at the time. And then, of course, they all were later down the line as he was yeah. like, just really blowing up around that time. 
Um, yeah, I guess for me, it was really inevitable, too, because, like, yeah, my friends would listen to it, especially when I got to college. I was, like, the only person in my dorm that had actual speakers that weren't just, like, didn't have, like, a laptop. I brought my full computer and had, like, pretty decent speakers. So, literally, I would, like, come mm-hmm. back from something, and my friends would just be in my room playing, like, ASAP Rocky, like, super duper loud. Um, nice. And I also, like, super got into hip-hop through, like, Skrillex using, like, collabing with ASAP Rocky and Foreign Beggars and even like remixing Kendrick later on and like the game and um, ASAP Ferg. And we also saw a lot of these people at festivals, like, you know, Rocky and Ferg especially impressed me. And I saw Logic in high school too. And so that was kind of my turning point was like actually seeing it and like not even having a choice, but like eventually it kind of <laughs> grew on me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, tell us about this album a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, Kendrick had come off of Section 80 and then this was like what a launch mm. yeah because i i remember like watching an interview um right before this came out and like the pre-order was on itunes and people were kind of speculating what kind of album it would be and you could see the features like dr dre and um drake mca and drake and all these like crazy people on it um and following like section 80 some people i guess considered a mixtape but it's definitely his first album as lamar um, before he went as like K-Dot, like you mentioned, and grew up in Compton. At age eight, he actually, like, his dad brought him to the set of Dr. Dre and um, Tupac's music video shooting right in mm-hmm. their neighborhood, and that was, like, his first experience and what really inspired him at a really young age. And then sometime after being age eight and starting to rap, he met, I guess, Top Dog and got into TDE, the record label, and a lot of the features on this record are um, his friends, Schoolboy Q and J-Rock. Um, and a lot of those he worked with a lot previously and still does to this day, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely, uh, I'd say, aside from Odd Future, which like doesn't really exist anymore. Like, the TDE crew are some of the tightest, you know, Schoolboy Q and J-Rock and Kendrick always supporting each other. And Absol, Absol's on that? I, I might be wrong if I say oh, yeah, that. Absol too, I forgot. Yeah. No, he is, yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and they're very tight with each other, always pop up on each other's records. Anthony, or Top Dog, I think he was interviewed about this album, and he, he said basically this album has been in the works since Kendrick like was born, <laughs> and this, this album really is the story of his, I mean, really his adolescence, which actually mad two A's, which always confused me. It didn't actually always confuse me until I actually, like, I just kind of got used to seeing it that way. Yeah. But, um... One interpretation is my angry adolescence divided. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the the other interpretation. I like the my angry adolescence better because I think it more accurately describes the story. But then, of course, uh, my angels on angel dust, which is also in some less, I think, less so, but in some ways related to the story and talking about his friends and everything that his friends got into growing up. Yeah. I like that one better just in terms of, like, how deep it is and... Like, I like the album in general because, obviously, we didn't grow up in a rough neighborhood or any kind of poverty. But, I don't know, there's still parts of it you can definitely learn from. And you really can, like, this is such a freaking deep and raw and vulnerable album. And he had to, like, bleep certain parts out because they were, like, incriminating. And not even just that, but just, like, his his different emotions. So you can kind of take away so much from it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. In terms of... uh. In, in terms of crime too it's also criminally underrated too and like with how much with how much people talk about it still to this day it's kind of not but in terms of how it was recognized at the time it was definitely uh definitely not given the accolades it deserves so the most popular charting song on the album was mad city and it only peaked at number 75 and now this was at the time before they were counting uh, streaming, but even still, at the time that it dropped, streaming wasn't even like as much of a juggernaut as it was before. Although that probably would have boosted it massively, but it's still weird that it didn't it didn't get higher. And Kendrick has thirteen Grammys, but none of them are related to this album at all. No songs, not for the album. Wow. Now they were nominated. He was nominated for that year for best rap album and uh album of the year actually this was in 2014 because of i think when this came out in the year 
the Grammys are always delayed. Kind of like Skrillex got recognized years later, but uh, yeah. But so it was nominated for those categories, and of course, famously, uh, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis run won the best rap. Oh, all of that's that year. that year. Yeah. Oh. So took it down from that, that and hurts. then Daft Punk won Album of the Year that year, which like kind of hard to compare the two albums, Random Access Memories, to uh, Good Kid, Mad City, but uh, at least he should have I won mean, best. Pharrell is on both. Yeah, for... that's right. I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> Pharrell had it. Pharrell was a shoe in either way. Uh, uh, but at least he should have won best rap category that year. Like, oh, sure. <laughs> like what? What was even going on there? Uh, yeah, and uh, also criminally underrated. I think most people growing up, because this is definitely an, a youth album. Like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of older people listen to it, but it is definitely more popular with a certain generation. Like, I remember at work, I think somebody like in Slack was talking about like the greatest rapper, and everybody said Tupac. And like, I didn't grow up with him or like any of like the '90s kind of people. But Kendrick kind of follows that legacy, and I think Kendrick is kind of the Tupac for like our generation, millennial gen z oh, whatever yeah. you call it but. yeah for sure and i mean that's why on a later album that he would put out the tupac allegory is so strong and kind of poetic justice him like going to see tupac <laughs> yeah a little, little reference there uh like poetic justice him seeing tupac when he was younger because of that generation tupac was the like conscious rapper so now uh moving on you know yeah. new king had to sit on the throne Something that we alluded to earlier with Frank Ocean is like the the art and the commercial co- accessibility of it. And I think this album is a perfect, perfect example of that because there's something so deep and very spiritual, like great storytelling. Like the album itself, I actually just got the vinyl for my birthday a few weeks ago. And it literally, I mean, it says this everywhere, but it's called a short film by Kendrick Lamar. Like the album, Good Kid, Mad City, a short film. Mm-hmm. But it's also just such a huge like commercial it's like everybody can listen to it. It's like on at parties and you know, like swimming pools is that kind of party song, even when it wasn't intended to be. Yeah. So it's, I, I love that it's like art that can like become pop and also something so deep. Yeah, it's definitely the most uh, the most accessible Kendrick album. I think Damn is like a decent like midway accessibility as well. But mm-hmm. in terms like you know uh, like if you throw on uh, these walls from T Pav like. It's probably not going to be a turn up at the party. <laughs> Although there is a reference to uh, Good Kid, Mad City in that song, which even again yeah. it makes it even more complex. You have to like go through all these different hoops to full picture. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it's like as a discography, it's all it's all connected. Yeah, and to be honest, I used to definitely judge Kendrick or just like lump him with all the rest of the rap music, think of it as like party music and kind of you know rough and like putting out a bad message. But then actually in my pop music history class in college, my professor did a bonus lecture after we were had our finals about T-Pab. And mm-hmm. the way he like went through it and showed how crazy deep, like every line had like four different references. And, you know, just that got me into like listening to albums, listening to it with such a new lens. And that really made me go back and listen to this. So I got into this like way late, but now it's like one of my all time favorite hip hop albums for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so tell me about it. Tell me about this album. Oh yeah. So to start off, first song we got Shireen, aka Master Splinter's daughter, which is actually a TMNT reference, which I don't, I never really watched that, but definitely funny. I've never gotten into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so uh, you know I'm familiar with the main turts, but not. Uh, I didn't watch it that much, so I'm not sure about that reference. But it's a good, it's a good intro. Kendrick always has super solid intros. This is no exception. Mm-hmm. And this one is super confusing, and I listen to Dissect, which is, like, my favorite podcast for sure, and they have a season on um, T-Pab, and then they have a season on Damn, and in both of them, they briefly go over this album, um, so that's where a lot of my knowledge comes from. And I also went on Genius, which is very similar to Dissect with um, to get all the different information about every mm-hmm. line. Uh, but I think the weirdest song is this song, because it's actually, like, midway through the story. Um, if you notice at the end, like comes out comes to Shireen's house and there's these like two guys with hoodies and it just stops abruptly and then it's like that comes up you know right after poetic justice so it's kind of at first I didn't like how he did that but then I actually love that it's like kind of I don't know it's like 
I don't know. I just kind of like where it sits, actually, as an intro. Yeah, and I mean, in, in terms of like thinking about it like a like a film, uh, that would be like mm-hmm. they, you know, you got to open up somewhere closer to the climax, and then you go back in time. Yeah. So, um, my favorite thing about this song is just the like tone and the moodiness. And I think looking at it like a movie, you can see each song as like a scene. And just like one thing I don't necessarily love like when I first got into this album is like how different every song was and like the production and you know the features and the instruments but now I actually love it looking at it as a movie and seeing this song as such a somber and like it's so vulnerable I mean he's just talking about his lust for this for his girlfriend and like you know as he's pretty much like 16 17 and it's it's very like relatable and honest and I love the guitar and the piano and everything about it just really it's just so cool mm-hmm yeah and then it moves on to Don't Kill My Vibe, which is like, which is like, for, for me, this is like the start. Not that uh, Shireen's not an amazing opener, but in terms of the narrative, this is like the start. Yeah. Well, it's actually not. I hate to correct you, but this is actually a song that's like out. Um, it was recorded and like the lyrics are after the whole narrative finishes. So this is kind of like. I did not know that. Yeah. So somebody compared it to like the credit rolls and it's kind of like a overview of the album and how he's grown as an artist so this song if you think about it it's more talking about his relation to like the music after becoming famous and saying like he's mm-hmm. he's deep he's in between this like self-improvement spirituality being a good force for humanity and like his you know his like growing up um in compton and like the violence and the lust in his heart and he's so conflicted that he's just like don't kill my vibe like um I just gotta like relax and like be me so yeah yeah i kind of saw it as uh i kind of saw it as um what's it called like if like if like the main character is doing like a voiceover at some like around the beginning of the film he's like this is how i got like you know, right he, that's how i kind of viewed it but that totally. also makes sense if it was the end of the story as well mm-hmm. and it's also yeah. weird because the end of the album is like the start of the story where he says, I need your, I need your van, mom. I'll be back in 15 sec, 15 minutes <laughs> to go visit Shireen. Yeah. So it's like, the whole thing is a little confusing, which again, it's so cool that it's open-ended and it's actually cool that it's his mom and dad in these like voicemails too. I love that little tidbit. Yeah. And this song so, too, uh, like stands up in so many ways. Like I've DJed with this a ton of times and it just is such <laughs> a good song. Like you can play it late at night, chilling or in like a concert and it's still just, it, like musically it's so great yeah yeah it's uh it works in a lot of different settings because like it's it doesn't have the energy of a banger but it goes off like a banger yeah it's like a great middle ground and like the orchestra when it comes in and Mm -hmm. anna wise is on a lot of these tracks and i love her voice i just think it's it's so beautiful to like especially when her and kendrick are going together with the chorus and the hooks Mm -hmm. i love every hook on this album they're all like perfect they don't overstay their welcome they're unique they're not cheesy so good yeah for sure and then after that we have backseat freestyle mm. and yeah this is definitely the start i guess quote unquote for most people's interpretation of the narrative where you know he's with his homies and they're going for their first you know day in day out in the town and like peer pressure is the next song but they're kind of like going in to start their journey and it's it's that like old school k-dot and this song always confused me just because of how you know a typical hip-hop song it is but yeah in a vacuum it definitely uh you know it it it's not that deep in a vacuum although he's absolutely spitting on this like oh my gosh it's just like it's like a volcano erupting but uh so very very technical very talented in that but in terms of uh of like content in a vacuum it's not that special but it makes sense when you consider everything that follows yeah and the beat is also insane like i think that's honestly why in high school and like early college before i knew the deep side i liked him so much because the beats were like so so insane and like the music like how much hip-hop has such dynamic and interesting music i guess he has a budget but still, like, it's so good. Then after that, we have one of my favorites, The Art of Peer Pressure. Mm. Yeah, why is this one? Because I love these deep songs. But to me, um, I think uh, Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst is, like, my preferred of these two longer story songs. But Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, like, it's, like, straight-up poetry for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and I like this one. I think so. You're saying uh, "Sing About Me" was was your favorite of like those two. I would also consider that one poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I like this one. One in terms of what he's recounting. Yeah. And then two that it's a little bit more concise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Like, 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 "Sing About Me" is like an opera, and this is more like, a, like a shorter story. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just like it's a, uh, like it's. Uh, concise nature i love again how dynamic like there's a beat switch in this one very early on it starts a lot more upbeat and then there's that like super somber change early on and i also love when like the police sirens like it's you really like feel like you're in the car and you're that freaks me out every time yeah oh man it's a good one and after that we've got money trees Mm. with j-rock yeah this one i also liked for the beat I don't know, like, it, this one was actually the hardest one for me to interpret, especially in terms of the overall narrative. But if you look at the lyrics, it actually makes a lot of sense. It, like, references all of the other three songs that we've heard, pretty much. And it's really catchy, too. And again, like, I love the call and response, and, like, his performance in terms of his vocal delivery, his rapping, his, like, tone, his, like, the words he uses literally everything about it to me you couldn't show me like a rapper that is more impressive just even on this project like we haven't even gotten to some of the better more emotional tracks but like well we have like there's such a range here but this one especially i really love mm-hmm. yeah following that is uh poetic justice which has one of his biggest features on it mm-hmm. although i guess at the time drake was not like what he is uh what he is today but still still a pretty big feature considering that this is like kendrick's commercial debut yeah and i also like how like i looked up in the lyrics drake is talking about one of his girlfriends and it's interesting to see drake at a more innocent phase of his life (laughs) yes Um, for sure and kendrick is kind of talking about the same kind of thing and they're both kind of coming at it from a similar angle and it's also hilarious because poetic justice it's kind of sad but like the thing that happens with like he has all this like love for her and then getting jumped at the end of the song it's kind of sad but it's like that ironic twist that every like movies always have those kinds of things in them yeah yeah how do you feel about this song uh overall in the grand scheme of this whole album yeah i really like it in terms of a song it's really accessible and in terms of the narrative it's really important too like a lot of it does focus around shireen um but also just as a song the lines are all really well written as a poem would be they have so many double meanings and like clever wordplay and similes and metaphors and yeah i really like this one and the beat and like i love i think it's anna wise i'm not sure actually but i love the female vocal that's like always in the background it's almost used as an instrument and it's just beautiful i think how it layers on top of drake and kendrick yeah None of those ever got through to me because this is actually my least favorite song on the whole project. Oh, wow. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a bad song by any means. It's just like the most forgettable to me. Interesting. Yeah, I yeah. To me I really like it and it's like this one and Money Trees are both really catchy and like I I I think this album was easy for me to get into because like there were a few songs that I didn't already know. Like there's so many just great songs that you can like take out of the album and they're still good, but if you put them in a story mm-hmm. it like doubles how good they are. Oh yeah, for sure. After that is uh, Good Kid, the first mm. half of the title. Yeah, like, this is one I definitely didn't know a whole lot of before. And this one, I almost, I don't know if I like it more than Art of Peer Pressure, but I definitely love the storytelling in it. I mean, it's really fast and frantic and, like, and also just super sad. And it's actually Pharrell doing the hook, which I had no idea. You wouldn't really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a little stuck in there. Pharrell is also, uh, something I learned, is also, like, a producer of the album. Like, he gave mm. a creative direction for it. Nice yeah uh after good kid is mad city the more well-known of the title Mm. yeah this is probably the well swimming pools might be a little bit more well-known but this is probably the most well-known on the album yeah this one is probably the hardest hip-hop song like out there um like i've i've loved when this one's played live but it's so funny to like actually look into the lyrics and see just how like frantic and sad and his performance is absolutely yeah. this is probably his best performance for sure on the whole thing yeah and it's like a painful song mm-hmm. you don't like always consider that because he's just like he's just going so quickly on it but uh yeah but but it really is 
And then, of course, there's the beat switch, which a lot of people stop listening before before yeah. that point, which makes me sad. Yeah. I love the beat switch, actually. Like, I, yeah, I, I was trying to think about a few musical elements that don't hold up, because it is, like, a very contemporary, like, 2012 album. But I still think, like, a lot of these, you know, production and, like, external to the message really still hold up well, including this part of the song. Mm-hmm. And this part's even sadder, honestly. And, like... This is where yeah. they reveal the, um, like, basically Compton made me an angel on angel dust, which is just so poetic and depressing, especially, like, earlier in the song, he mentioned seeing his first, like, I don't know if it was his uncle die at age nine. Mm-hmm. That's just crazy. And then um, I love the part at the end. This was an interesting theory that, like, he says Compton USA, which is, like, you could interpret it as saying it's a message to all of the, like, you know, poor and like impoverished areas of america and it's not just compton california but it's like a broader message so yeah for sure yeah and then after that is everyone's favorite party anthem that's not about party is swimming pools yeah this one's great and it was probably the first one i heard and like again it's like when, when you remove the context it is like such a great song um I especially love, like, the bridge and the extended version that most people don't know, but on the album, it's, like, they have a longer version that adds to the narrative a lot, and I think that oh, part yeah. is so great. Yeah, I think that part can't be ignored. I mean, like, if, you, if you're just, you know, if you're just, like, hanging out at a college party or something, of course you can, but I feel like in terms of the narrative, you, like, can't ignore that part. Yeah, and I love, like, the dream state that, like, goes into it and warps into the, the last part of it, dreaming about Shireen and then you know i love especially the like half beat on it like the uh, more acoustic drums i just mm-hmm. love that part i also love how the timbre of his voice changes when uh i don't know if that was done like in post like after recorded or if he's actually just dropping his voice like that but i love how the timbre of his voice changes when it's his conscience talking to him yeah same thing in um mad city at the end it like goes mm-hmm. super super low and super high and i think it was like something about him looking at things as a kid like from a really like he has a lot of matrix references in this um album in terms of like the red pill and like seeing the world for how it is and you know realizing that was trauma and then like seeing it from a more perverted you know couldn't like corrupt state so that's really interesting too how he uses his voice in so many ways yeah and then after that is a 12 minute monstrosity mm. sing of me i'm dying sing about me i'm dying of thirst yeah this is probably my favorite um, deep song on this album. I love the musical aspects of it. It honestly reminds me of maybe a song off Damn or his Untitled Remastered. I don't know if that gives... It just sounds nostalgic to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this could honestly be a whole... This one song could be like a whole album itself. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like, So in the story, they had just, I guess... like, So Kendrick got jumped, and then basically they're coming for him, I guess the rival gang, because they're outside of Compton. Um, And then Kendrick's friend's brother dies in a shootout. And Kendrick and his friends kind of want to retaliate. And it's so crazy, because the first verse is actually from his friend's brother that died. It's him singing to Kendrick. And then before the chorus hits, which the chorus is so beautiful, um, but he literally like, and if I die before your album drops, and then you hear gunshots, and then Kendrick starts the chorus of like, promise that you... um, will sing about me and and it's just very heavy it's such a like sobering and like real song yeah it's a lot to i imagine this is probably like the most underplayed song too just because of how long it is yeah and then the second half is even more brutal and sad and this is i think this is why i like this song so much because the second half to me is so good Mm -hmm. and like you said it really is poetry um but the dying of thirst part it's almost like a constant bar like there is a hook but it's just like this constant dying of thirst and there's this like constant mm-hmm. yeah and like it just keeps going and going and going and the most like powerful part at the end is when they just in the skit they find this old lady who introduces them to Jesus and tells them about her real life and they do the sinner's prayer which actually is also hinted at in the start of the album which I love because the Shireen music mm-hmm. comes in again at this part and it like it all just kind of is this amazing mm-hmm. full story and then following this one is real and yeah this one it's so funny like coming back to it the first thing i thought of was that it reminded me of um 
Pray For Me with The Weeknd off Black Panther. Yeah, there are some similarities there, yeah. Um, and this one is really long, too, but I I really love, this is, like, such a catchy song. And again, with Anna Wise on it, especially that hook really, like, got stuck in my head for a while listening mm-hmm. to this. Yeah, this one's uh, seated nicely in there towards the end. Yeah, and I love, like, hearing the, like, kind of the finishing touches of his parents on the voicemail with, like, his dad saying, you know, like, I'm sorry for what happened to you. I don't want you to grow up like me. But, like, being real isn't, you know, all those things, like having power and people and getting money and girls. Being real is respect and family and God. And then his mom saying, like, please, like, give back to your community, sing words of encouragement. And that's, like... Both of those things are literally what he's done post this story and his growing up and, you know, as a teenager. So I love how all this plays out. Yeah. And then we have the formal finale of the album, which is Compton, featuring Dr. Dre, also from Compton. Mm-hmm. And um, just Blaze producing this song. Ah, oh, yes. Which is apparent by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, this is another one of my favorites from, uh, from the album in that it's like he's signing it uh, to who he wrote it for. And it, it shows the the message is really to like uplift Compton and like show it in a new light and to like good like good kid man city like the the, the, re- the reason I I guess relate to it because um, I didn't come from a place like this of course but like you know putting thinking about it as like you have a really pure heart you're an angel but then your environment can like cause all this like turmoil whether it's physical or mental um and especially with like angel dust that like comparison and trauma and you know your environment can really trap you but then the message is ultimately like you know through faith and through um loving yourself with real just to like break free from that and like be a positive light for for people around you yeah definitely uh i really like the lyrical content of this one um I think it's cool bringing in, you know, he he can't bring in Tupac, although on a later project he found a way to, mm-hmm. but uh, but this was like the next best thing and having that feature on it. So Yeah, one thing between MC8 on, um, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, on Mad City and Dr. Dre on this one, and not Dre, but... I'm not a huge fan of, like, the gangster rap sound of, like, how aggressive and, like, in-your-face it is. Um, But obviously, like, I can see what he's going for in this album. So that's one thing I personally don't care for. But, like, I think this is probably the best gangster rap album, that being said. Mm -hmm. Not that it's just gangster rap, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can definitely be fit into that category. And, uh, you know, I I do think it, it competes with some other ones like enter the wu-tang that are of that caliber you know mm-hmm. oh so that takes the end there's also a deluxe version that has some other songs like the recipe which actually i think the recipe came out before that this album came out at all but then wasn't on the oh wow wasn't on the final official cut but uh how would you surmise everything here um well one thing i definitely wanted to mention is we filmed this in 2020 there's ton of protests uh, a lot of civil rights stuff going on um, a lot of the police brutality murders and you know african-american history and um, all that has been at the forefront a lot of this summer and i think this is kind of what made me dive back into kendrick and like i you know i had damn on vinyl a while ago and like saw him on tour and stuff and was into him but i really like finally understood t-pap through listening to dissect and went back to this album a lot and i think it's honestly I couldn't recommend that podcast enough and just listening to his music because to me it's been like one of the best patients for me even though I don't know what it's like but I can like get a little glimpse and it's so real and so vulnerable that it's like I think it's a great tool for anybody to learn yeah so do you think it uh do you think it holds up I think you kind of just answered that but (laughs) yeah I mean I got into it in college and I, I think it's better than a lot of his contemporaries nowadays like there's few rappers that I truly can like really listen to in a real way and not like I always like real has like stuck with me through like listening to this this summer like just the word real has like re-entered my vocabulary and Mm -hmm. I just think it's it's more profound than we usually use it Mm -hmm. but I love it yeah I think it holds up in that it's it's not only sonically it's 
sonically appealing, it's conceptually appealing, and it's lyrically deep all at once. So I think it's incredibly well done for that. It's, it's, this is going to be controversial, but I would put, I would put, uh, Dam and T-Pab above this one, but I still think it, uh, it very much holds up, and I'm not sure where you'd rank it amongst the rest of his discography, but. Yeah, I, I prefer Dam because I relate to it the most, and it's helped me both with, like, faith and just humanity. It touches on so many, like, raw human emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like this better than T-Pab just because it's easier to listen to. Mm-hmm. But I think T-Pab has, like, grown me a lot more and, like, opened me up to a lot more ideas. Yeah. But, like, most people wouldn't be able to get that just from listening to it. Whereas this, I think you can just listen to it and get the story pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. What are some of your favorite songs off the whole thing? Um, I think my favorite is probably Mad City, and I, I like it even more knowing that there's a second half since listening to it fully. Um, also, I think Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe is probably, actually that's probably my favorite, just because it's like, you can literally play it almost every day of the year, and it wouldn't get old to me. Mm-hmm. And then I really like, um, I really like uh, Sing About Me, I'm Dying at the Wheel, and Money Trees. Those are like my top four, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Five, I guess those five. Yeah. What about you? Definitely. Uh... My favorites are definitely Swing Pools, Mad City, Compton, and The Art of Peer Pressure. Although, although I wouldn't say that I uh, don't like any of them on the album. Like I, When I think about those four, which are definitely my favorite, but I start to follow, it's like, oh, but I also like Money Trees, and I also like Don't Kill My Life. Yeah. Like, it just like keeps going. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, this was a really fun one to talk about, and I feel like it's been talked about so much, I feel like I can't really add anything to it but that's like my experience with it and how it relates to me you know yeah exactly and i think my only slight slight critique is i don't love all the crazy varied production and ideas like most of it works really well but i think he's done it better since then with his next two albums in terms of it being a little more connected and concise yes i think i think sonically it's his most disconnected other than section 80 i think sonically it's less uh he really mastered the production direction on T-Pab and Dam. Like, those are mm-hmm. more cohesive in terms of the instrumentals. But, uh, but you know, I still think, like, Beats production on this is still great. It's just less uh, tied together. Also, just the features. I love a lot of them on this project, but I just think he does a little better with features on the next albums as well. Yeah. But again, I mean, he was so young and he blew up from this album and there was a lot more pressure on his work, which I think is like good and bad that he's like this prophet and this, like he's on such a pedestal, but yeah. And we, we've been talking a lot recently about like idolizing people and putting people on a pedestal. But Mm -hmm. the thing is for Kendrick, I think he has enough humility to handle it. You know? Yeah. I could go deeper and talk about like certain interviews he's done stuff like that, but, uh, but I'll, uh, I'll reel it back for now. Maybe at a later date. Mm. But that just feels so good to talk about because like I've had these thoughts, you know, like jumbling around so much and like I have I love this thing so much. Yeah. But before we wrap it up, do you have any questions from uh, listeners? Yeah, I got one from my sister and she's been listening and that's been super cool. Uh, she asked, what are our three most influential artists we've listened to? And I think what she means is like just to clarify, like artists that have kind of influenced your life and your tastes mm-hmm. and you know that the most okay influential but not i guess i'm going with what's changed me the most and not necessarily what i put the best hmm well what is it for you um i think felix is definitely i don't know my first but he's led me into so many other artists that even like artists that aren't necessarily electronic like he's even led me into hip-hop <clears throat> um partly so i think that's definitely one and then i would say like Eden in terms of lyrics and just how deep and like he was like one of the first artists that I really like really listened and like got into like the lyrics um and then probably like Porter weirdly enough um just because he kind of give it almost in a third party of like he influences Madion and he influences all these other artists but he kind of started this like era trend of like making an album be like a era and like a certain sound and like all the art attached to it and also he was one of the first like edm djs to start doing live concerts and a huge influence on the scene too mm-hmm. 
Hmm, for me, I would say it's probably, uh, gosh, it's probably Muse in terms of how they, like, sucked me into modern music and mm-hmm. how they sucked me into albums. Because a lot of times before I was just listening to uh, singles mm-hmm. and how I got into Muse was their big songs. Uh, from like, you sharing them and stuff. But they yeah. really got me to, like, listen to whole album experiences. Uh, next would be Dead Mouse because Dead Mouse was who got me into electronic music and opened up that entire world uh, to me. Yeah, like it literally just all started with ghosts and stuff, man. I heard that and I was I heard that because I was listening to pop music that had like electronic flavors to it, uh, and I was making like I was burning a CD of stuff like that, and I was like, I need one more song. And I was like, I've heard this Dead Mouse guy, and. <laughs> That's where it all started. And gosh, it would be a third. Oh man, there's so many that I could like slot into that category. But I'm gonna throw, this is a bit of a weird one. This is gonna date me a bit, but uh, I would throw Never Shout Never into that category. And uh, and for, for context for behind that one, is that I was into a lot of emo music around uh, like early high school, and uh, like in terms of like the stories that <laughs> it's gonna seem so cheesy, but in terms of the stories that he was writing a lot in terms of like love and family and uh, the feelings that you're going through at that time, yeah. like that's what uh, that's what I was relating to a lot, and that definitely pulled me through a lot of uh, yeah. dark times. His, that guy's childhood was probably a little bit closer to my childhood than like uh, Kendrick's childhood was, <laughs> even though I would qualify yeah. Kendrick as the better artist. Yeah, I'm actually going to switch Eden with Kendrick because I realized how much more Kendrick has like shaped me as a person and my brain and heart. Like he's grown so much compassion for me. And like I said, damn, especially with like the faith aspect, the human aspect and like the history of and everything. So yeah, I'll switch that around. Yeah. I have a, I've got a question. Let me is see it, is it spicier than last week or less spicy? Uh, it's, it's a good one. It's, it's, it's an interesting one. So oh, I just found it. All right. This is from my friend Will. And he says, what piece of media, book, TV, show, video game, art, whatever, has done the most to promote or encourage simp culture and vice versa what piece of media has done the most to try and eliminate it i'm honestly not educated on i barely know what that means but so that's a that's a term that's been around for a long time but uh gaining more popularity lately but it's basically it's basically like a guy who is pining for a girl a lot and doing a lot of things for a girl but she's unreciprocating that uh that love and attention you know this is uh i have to think about this a lot i almost should have like re- like done like some research on this before hmm. i guess this is this is probably controversial take but i guess you could say in a certain sense the office oh. because jim was kind of <laughs> simping for pam for a while there you know i mean there yeah i was thinking about that with like community for instance I just think a lot of those shows would definitely not happen in, in modern day. But yeah, well, commu- well, community is going to get get shaken up for you if that's at the point where you feel like it's the case for that. <laughs> I'm waiting. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess controversial take the office yeah. uh, for most to promote that mostly because of its its mass popularity. I'm sure there's a bunch of anime that probably Oof. better fit that category. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Oh, this is this is like uh this is kind of like uh reverse gender, but um, shoot, what the frick is it called? Uh, oh, like Twilight or something? Uh, no, but their Twilight. If you want Twilight to be your answer, that's a good answer as a reverse gender uh category for that. Yeah, because like Fifty Shades is like the darkest version of that. Yeah. Where it's like you should not be pining for that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shoot, gosh, what, what the frick is that book called? Oh my gosh. Uh, gosh, it's written by, it's written by, uh, Jane Austen. Ah, Pride and Prejudice. Mm. There yeah. we go. Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Let, let's say the, the OG example of that. 
There you go. That's a that's a great answer. I'm sure there was a piece of like yeah. a literal art that actually inspired <laughs> that. So we'll I'll, that's my answer. Yo, I bet we could. We'll I'll have to dig that up. Do you think there's one that's like the anti of that? Is do you think there's one that encourages uh, the opposite of that, like healthy um, relationships? I think most media shows more healthier relationships. I would just for something that popped out of the Epstein documentary and that makes me like anti anything that's like inappropriate relationship wise. Like there's all these red flags that I'm seeing that is true, but like, yeah. you know. Yeah. I would actually say uh I would actually throw Steven Universe into that category. I'm not sure if you've gotten much further with that hmm. but uh between like Steven and his friend, that's kind of like as the show progresses, it's kind of like the purest relationship. And there winds up becoming some complications with that later on down the line. But it's just like a, a lot of innocence and a lot of uh, reciprocation and sometimes lack of that. But then working out your problems and like, uh, yeah, I think that's a good example of it, actually. I actually love how Adventure Time deals with relationships, mm-hmm. especially like later on. Yeah. Mainly with Finn. I just think seeing his growth as he literally grows up every year from like 12 to 18 and like being able to relate so much to that Mm -hmm. growing up and literally seeing that growing up with Mm -hmm. him so i would put him in there ash ketchum he literally (laughs) never gets the girl after 20 years that's a perfect demotivator that's a perfect example (laughs) that is a good example but that that makes it worse because then the fans that are like more extreme are even crazier that's that's also a good point oh man i wonder how many lives uh (laughs) Ash's love life has destroyed. I literally thought I'd have to not answer, but now I'm getting so passionate. Oh, man. Well, good good answers all around for that one. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, talking about this. You know, we this was only about an hour, but honestly, we probably could have talked about it for yeah. longer because there's just so, so much content in this album. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out, Drew. Yeah, and remember to check us out. We're on every podcast streaming platform, also YouTube, and there's a playlist linked in the description for music we talk about, um, our fair ones we talk about as well. And uh, let a friend know if you like the podcast and ask us any questions on our social medias, which are down below too. Yeah. Yeah, share it around. We actually have a listener in Ireland right now, so uh, shout out if you're the Irish listener. Yeah. Well, I'm Will.